Welcome to Let's Talk Loyalty, an industry podcast for loyalty marketing professionals. I'm your host, Paula Thomas, and if you work in loyalty marketing, join me every week to learn the latest ideas from loyalty specialists around the world. This episode is brought to you by Epsilon and their award-winning People Cloud loyalty solution. Personalization should be integrated into the entire customer experience, including your loyalty program. With this in mind, Epsilon recently released a guide outlining six key components that will put you on the path to personalizing the entire loyalty experience. This guide challenges you to do some housekeeping and reconsider how you think about your current and future loyalty personalization efforts. So, to download your copy of the report, visit epsilon.com forward slash Let's Talk Loyalty. Hello and welcome to episode 189 of Let's Talk Loyalty. Today, I'm back in conversation with a guest based in my favorite city in the world. Paul Smitten from Cathay Pacific Airways is based in Hong Kong, a place which prides itself on many things, including its focus on innovation. So, with the airline having recently celebrated 75 years of flying, today we're going to learn some of its latest innovations in terms of its brand and, of course, its loyalty and lifestyle businesses. So, please join me in welcoming Paul Smitten, the Director of Customer Lifestyle at Cathay Pacific Airways. So, Paul, welcome back to Let's Talk Loyalty. Thank you, Paula. Great to be here. Oh, it's great to have you back, Paul. It was uh, December 2020, I was looking back. So a lot has happened, I think, in the 14 months since we spoke last. Well, that's um, hard to believe. Um, it's been that long and we're still in this pandemic. Um, we definitely are. We definitely are. And I know things are uh, very challenging for lots of different uh, places and uh, and industries. So we'll certainly touch on how Cathay Pacific is doing right now. Uh, but before we do that, one thing that did change was my opening question. So instead of a statistic, tell me today, Paul, what is your favorite loyalty program? Yeah, look, it's a great, great question. I think um, the and I gave it some good thought. I knew you were going to ask this question clearly. and. And I've been in loyalty for 25 years, so there's been a lot of programs I've had the pleasure of working directly in. Yeah. But I'm going to pick one that I've um, had some experience with, and I and I just think it's really interesting in terms of how they how they've tackled it. Um, and it's Commonwealth Bank in Australia. Um, you may not know they're the largest bank in that market, okay. um, and their loyalty program is multifaceted. But I'm going to focus on the children's. Uh, activities that they do. So you may not know, but they have a program called Dolomites. Okay. And it's essentially a um, savings account um, for little kids at primary school. Mm. So when you when you come into uh, primary school, you, you get a, a Dolomites account. And they've even created some sort of teaching um, uh, curriculum aspects to it to help children understand the value of saving, get their first bank account. Um, and so from literally, it's the classic sort of cradle to grave, right? And wow. Customer lifecycle marketing. Yeah. What, what that does is 
and clearly there's no money really in it at all for them yeah. at that yeah. early stage. Yeah. But if you start banking at, let's say, five years old um, and you are the biggest bank that, that does this in the country, you're going to get 75% typically. That's mm. the kind of market share they have of children's banking. Yeah. Um, and then the key thing for this loyalty program is right at the point when you actually start to become economically interesting for <laughs> the bank, which is usually, um, I don't know, 16, 17, 18, those sort of years when you're either yeah. leaving school or going to university. Yeah. Um, you've got suddenly other other costs, like you might need a credit card, you might need a home loan, you might need a mm. um, car loan, you might need a student loan for your studies. So there's all those things suddenly become important. As long as they do a really good job at recognising those key moments, mm. um, their market share can only go one way. It can only go backwards, right? They've, they've got a yeah. great opportunity, though, because they've got that existing relationship to re- retain a, a strong yeah. market share. Now, I think that's what makes that particular um, yeah. loyalty program just really quite incredible. Uh, and and as a result, you know, they do have they are the largest bank in Australia, and they are mm. you know, they do have the biggest market share. I'm pretty confident that the Dolomites program is the sort of secret behind all of that. It's been running for for many, many decades now. Wow. Um, so it's just one I find really interesting, thoughts quite quite fascinating. I did did spend uh, just over a year working in Commonwealth Bank. So oh, cool. I know from a yeah. from a sort of inside the business a while ago, it's um you know it's expensive uh, cost, mm-hmm. but um the value in terms of market share is um yeah, well worth it. For sure. My goodness. Well, I mean, part of my very selfish agenda, of course, with asking this question is lining up, you know, potential guests for the future. (laughs) (laughs) So thank you for that. Um, But no, uh, to to be serious about it, Paul, what I really like is a lot of um, integrity and patience, I think, is what I'm hearing coming through. So I think uh, in a world where, you know, shareholder returns very often drive decision making in a lot of businesses um, to be able to justify a very expensive, as you said, program with such a long lead time. I mean, yes, if we say start saving as a as a five year old um, and maybe become, I love your term, economically interesting, uh, eleven years later. I mean, that's an extraordinary, <laughs> that's an extraordinary um, way of doing business. It's amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, very interesting. So, I, absolutely. Well, I can certainly introduce you to someone if you would like me to at some point in time. Please do, please do. Great. I wasn't expecting that. It's an added bonus. Great. And yeah, also, sure. what's amusing me, Paul, is I think I'm entering the um, <laughs> economically uninteresting phase of life <laughs> because I just had a, a big birthday yesterday. So, yeah, that's going to be uh, fun to see how the marketing changes in terms of you know the the various programs I engage with. But I digress. So listen, as we said, 14 months, Paul, since we spoke together the last time. Um, I suppose the first thing to acknowledge, as you've already kind of mentioned, is the pandemic um, and the impact on Cathay Pacific and Hong Kong, I suppose, still at this moment in time. So I might get you just to comment on that, Paul, in terms of just to give uh, listeners a sense on on how Cathay is is managing to um, to continue to operate and at what volumes at the moment. Yeah, look, um, it's been 
I mean, challenging for the whole travel industry everywhere in the world, right? It's, yeah. um, I don't want to sort of make out that we're um, you know, any worse off than anyone else. I think the whole industry has been, uh, been really yeah. challenged. Yeah. Um, I think for us, the, the biggest challenge is Hong Kong um, as a semi-autonomous region. It's not mm. a country. Yeah. It's a semi-autonomous region of, of China. Yes. Um, and you know, it's essentially a domestic um environment in, in within the wider mainland mm. china market mm. but we don't have access to that domestic market we we can fly into china and fly mm. out of china but we um we don't have domestic operation within china yeah so we don't have we don't have a domestic market <laughs> essentially sure. Sure. um and with no domestic market to operate within our borders we've had to rely on you know, international travel through this mm. period and of course yeah. The, the Hong Kong um, SAR government has, you know, operated some of the strictest quarantine measures in the world to try and contain the virus. Um, sure. And I think up until very recently, it's been um, going very, very well. Mm. Um, so we've protected the, you yeah. know, the Hong Kong uh, public. Yeah. yeah. But it has meant that um, from an airline perspective, our, our network is probably running around 2% of what it might normally do pre-pandemic. Yeah. Um, so being really tough from a passenger perspective. Um, yeah. we, we're lucky. There's some other, you know, mm. silver linings. We, we we also have a very significant cargo operation. Yes. Hong Kong's one of the world's biggest cargo um, airports. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Cafe Cargo uh, operating uh, 747 freighters, flying um, yeah. PPE, vaccines. Yes. Um, and and other products that are made in China to the rest of the world. Yeah. That business has is gone very well. So there's mm. been some some positives. Um the other side of it, the you know, credit card business, the loyalty business, those those businesses are still functioning yeah. uh, as normal to yeah. a certain extent. Although I'd be fibbing if I was to tell you that we haven't been impacted because you know of course. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of credit card spend is linked to people saving up for flights, and if mm. there's no flights, yeah. you know, there's going to be a, a, an impact there as well. So, yeah, so that we're all all hoping that it's going to end. Um, it will it will end. It's just mm. a matter of um, yeah. know, when when that happens, and then we'll be yeah. you know, ready to um, to rebound. For sure. Yes. Yeah. And I know what you've been doing, Paul, um, has been obviously focusing on developing some extraordinary new concepts for Cathay. So definitely that's the main reason for our, I suppose, conversation today. Uh, But just to give some numbers, because I can see you guys did publish, um, you know, just an update on 2021. So, you know, it is always fascinating, as you said, just in terms of passenger numbers. And I am so passionate about the travel industry. So can't wait for everything to get back to normal as much as everybody else. Um, so 717,000 passengers in 2021 versus 35 million 2019. It's quite incredible. Yeah, that's um, that's a, a, a couple of numbers which don't need further analysis. It's pretty yes. uh, pretty obvious what um, what yeah. that impact would, would be. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. On a more positive note then, um, senior appointments were announced uh, last summer and you have uh, taken on a new role as the Director of Customer Lifestyle. So tell us all about that. You were, I think the official title was CEO of Asia Miles last time we spoke. So tell us about this new focus, which you did hint at, I think, by the way, when we spoke the last time. But tell us about the new focus on customer lifestyle. Yeah, look, um, 
It's um, so middle, as you say, middle of last year, uh, it was it was announced. So I still hold the title of CEO Asia Miles. So that's okay, a, a separate entity that yeah. we uh, wholly own. Mm. Um, so I'm I'm doing that role concurrently, getting paid twice, of course. Of course, um, having <laughs> having two jobs. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so that, so no, no extra pay. But the um, director lifestyle. Um, what what we've done essentially, we've we've created four different uh, revenue generating arms, if you like. Okay. So we have Cathay, um, the, the, the customer travel group, mm-hmm. which is yeah. Cathay Pacific, the airline. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so we have someone in charge of that that business. We have Cathay Cargo and someone mm-hmm. in charge of that business. We also have a, a low-cost carrier called Hong Kong Express mm-hmm. that we wholly own, um, and so there's someone in charge of that group. And then Lifestyle is the division that I'm in charge of. Mm. So that those four uh, main sort of revenue-generating units. And then in Lifestyle, I've got Asia Miles, so yeah. our, yeah. Uh, our reward currency. Um, also have um, other business lines like retail, where we you know things like duty free and mm. e-commerce. Mm-hmm. Um, the cafe holidays business. Um, so I'm the chairman of the cafe holidays business, which is our mm. um, hotels and vacation packages uh, and, and you know, yeah. other associated products. Mm. Um, and then the most recent one within that group is um, what we've called wellness. Yeah. Um, so, so they're the sort of main profit lines. I also have some other functions uh, as a as a part of that lifestyle group, but it, we're supporting the whole group. So there's mm. two functions. Uh, one called brand insights and marketing, yeah, which is pretty self-explanatory. But that's providing yeah. brand market yeah. research and and Marcom support for the whole group. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, sort of as a horizontal function, supporting mm-hmm. all the verticals, and then digital experience. So you know everything from our website to apps, uh, online check-in, everything else. So the yeah. digital experience team providing that horizontal support for for all the different verticals. Okay. So, yeah, so there's kind of a, a PL aspect around the lifestyle functions, but then also there's mm. some uh, support functions uh, across, the, across the business. Yeah, yeah. And as I said, you did allude to it, Paul, when we spoke the last time. And um, certainly there are, you know, uh, lots of different airlines, understandably, uh, positioning themselves more broadly with this lifestyle um, idea and intention. But I think what caught my attention um, on LinkedIn was your post about this wellness proposition, And again, last time you had articulated, and it's not surprising, I suppose, that there is so much interest in wellness and health. But I guess the solution you developed was something I've only seen in radically different industries, like health insurance, for example. So will you tell listeners exactly the new initiative that you launched? I think it was literally just in January, a month ago, 2022, Paul, wasn't it? Yeah, that's right. So, wow. if you look at and maybe just to just go tiny a tiny bit back, just around lifestyle, just because you touched on that at the start of your question, and, and maybe yeah. it just warrants a little bit further explanation, which helps um, yes. understand what we're doing with wellness. Yeah, um, and and I think it's interesting. So, Cathay um, as a brand is very much a you know, what we see as a lifestyle brand, and our, mm. our research with consumers is they they say that too. They say this is a brand that I. I, I, I love, I have high engagement with. Yeah. Um, it's a brand when I'm traveling to go on holiday, I, you know, I want to fly on because it's going to be you know, all part of that experience. Um, mm. And so what we've done is we've essentially, Cathay Pacific yeah. is the 
the airline and that hasn't changed. Mm-hmm. But what we've done in terms of the master brand, we've, we've dropped the word Pacific and we've created Cafe by okay. itself as a master nice. brand. And that, yeah. that, the thinking there is that that's a premium travel lifestyle brand. Okay. Um, and I love it. Yes. So by you know, offering cafe hotels, cafe retail, yeah. um, you know, cafe wellness, we have this ability to extend the, yeah. the reach of this master brand. Yeah. Um, and so that, that's what we're doing in terms of the, you know, creating this, this wider engagement. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's about being relevant and, and, and being more um, essentially from a commercial perspective, getting more value out of yeah. the consumer dollars that people mm-hmm. um, spend across these different things. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that was the sort of job we did in, in the middle of last year when we, when we launched the, the Cafe Lifestyle brand. Okay. And then wellness, um, essentially what we've done, we've said, look, where do we go next? Well, we've got a successful airline. We've got yeah. a, a really good credit credit card business with our yeah. our, our, our uh, Asia Miles currency. Mm-hmm. Um, what could we do next? And we looked at all the different sectors, and we identified um, insurance as a sector which had an opportunity for disruption. And I think um, it's no secret if you look at most insurance companies around the world, it's it's a kind of a grudge purchase. You. You yeah. know you have to have it there for a rainy day. Yeah. You hope you never need it. Yeah. But you you buy the product because you you feel you need it. Yeah. And as a consequence, it's, it's a relatively low engagement brand. They, most insurance companies only get sort of one to one to two contacts a year okay. with their customers. It's mm-hmm. usually around premiums and and claim time. Yeah. That's typically when they have that engagement. Mm. And so they're not really positive engagements. It's usually <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's either a yeah paying money for something that you you sort of have as a grudge and then, or it's a claim and hopefully that's going to be a yeah. pleasant experience, right? But yeah. not always. So wellness, we said, well, let's let's try and disrupt that. We leverage the fact we've got this engaging brand. People want to yeah. you know, collect miles for holidays and you know, there's wonderful things. Yeah, Maybe we can disrupt that sector. Mm. Um, but then we also looked at how everyone else does it. And one of the big things we noticed was that all the the wellness tracking uh, where you get some value for, for healthy mm. behaviors mm. Um, typically are behind the paywall. So you've got to buy an insurance yeah. product. Yeah. And then you get get these uh, loyalty benefits um, mm. Mm. for your for hitting your uh, wellness goals. Yeah. So we decided to pull that in front of the paywall. Mm. And so we've if you uh, are in Hong Kong and you get the, the mm. Cafe Lifestyle app. Mm-hmm. Um, and you activate your wellness journey, uh, which involves just giving um, us some permissions for data sharing okay. um, so you can connect Apple Health, mm-hmm. um, Garmin, uh, Fitbit, Strava, all those different um, yeah. uh, fitness tracking devices. Um, that data then can come into the Cafe Lifestyle app and we'll give you miles if mm-hmm. you hit your goals. Okay. So we've got some simple ones which are, you know, you're getting your your steps for the day, yeah. uh, drinking water, doing some yoga, mm-hmm. um, eating fruit and vegetables. Okay. Um, and so that if you do those different activities, you'll you'll earn Asia miles every single day for for those um, healthy behaviours. Um, and so that's free. There's no no strings attached. Yeah. It's completely uh, all about uh, altering the um, 
lives of consumers in Hong Kong, right? Mm. Making it um, in a, a positive intervention. And mm. we all we all know that um, you know having having preventative care is much better than hospital care. Right? Totally. So if you're yeah um, keeping keeping healthy, you you're going to live a longer life and and, mm. and have a you know, greater greater fulfillment. And so that that's sort of the thinking, and then. Um, and then, of course, we need to monetize it somehow. <laughs> uh, we're not, yes. we're not completely uh, a charity. Uh, <laughs> yes. So, what is your business model, Paul? I'm intrigued. So, yes. So the business model is simple, right? So we 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 give the free miles for for that healthy those healthy behaviours, and hopefully, it genuinely leads to good outcomes. We we really really do want to achieve that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you'll earn more miles if you then buy a um, a health insurance or critical illness. Um, policy, right? Okay. So yeah. we've we've partnered with um, the American insurer Cigna, mm-hmm. um, and so essentially what we've we've got is we're a uh, an insurance agent. So we have a okay. um, had to go through a process to be able to get um, qualified as a an insurance agent for mm-hmm. for medical insurance. Yeah, um, and then the deal we have is the. Like any other insurance agent, you you, you get a commission for mm. selling a product, and you get a, get a commission for the the, the ongoing trail uh, yeah. associated with annual annual premiums. Yeah. Um, and then, and so we we then are putting you know a big chunk of that revenue that we get back yeah. into miles as well. So there's extra miles on top yeah. when you buy those products. Yeah. Um. So so yeah. So it's an interesting interesting way of looking at it. Um. Mm. The cool thing as well, we we also decided. Well, how do we how do we do this? How do we do it ourselves? Uh, we looked at um, uh, you know, building this capability to connect with the different health apps, and yeah. quickly realised that that was a very specialist area. Okay, um, and we went and went and found a company in Canada um, called Sprout at Work. Okay, um, and Sprout have got this. Um, couple of things one they've got an app that already has all the api integrations with with um garmin fitbit apple health etc wonderful Um, so it meant that we didn't didn't have to do that integration piece Um, Mm -hmm. and as those apis change sprout will make sure that they're current and so that that they're helping us to ingest that data Mm. Um, the other thing that sprout have done is they've got a um, a product called um viva metrica and so viva metrica is a um, uh, a tool that gives you a health score. So w- when you look at all okay. that data, yeah. Um, you know, so Paula Thomas, you've done your ten thousand steps. You've eaten your fruit and veg. Yeah, you know, you've done all these good things. Um, your um, data will turn into a health score, and you're about to see your health score mm. in the in the app mm-hmm. as well, just as a way of getting a good sense of how how you're yeah. tracking. Mm. Uh, and then it'll obviously we suggest um, yeah. you know, course corrections, et cetera, to help you um, mm. do a better job um, yeah. of um, being healthy. Although I'm sure you're already very healthy. Um, but I, uh, I do my best, Paul. <laughs> but well <done>. yes. <laughs> so, yeah, Enough said. That's, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, and that's I love essentially it. what it is. 
Yeah. So, I mean, the the easy part to understand on the technical side, just to pick up on um, the wonderful solution you found, always a relief, I think, to find that kind of expert technology. So that's that's wonderful to hear. Um, and, you know, I think we're all familiar with all of those trackers in terms of, as you said, steps and all of those other behaviors, which are, you know, very evident and trackable and measurable. The eating behavior, is that self-declared, I presume? Is the person entering, you know, that, you know, are they admitting I have a piece of chocolate and telling the app about that? Or or is it based on shopping uh, for, for groceries? Or how does that piece work, Paul? I'm intrigued. Yes. Yeah, so some of the data is based on actual tracking app and, and other data is self-declared. So okay. if you're, um, yeah, so we're not, we don't have, it's no, it's no big brother. We're not going around um, you know, <laughs> with, with cameras looking at what you're eating and everything <laughs> like that. Yeah. Um, so there's, there's a bit of bit of self-declared information. So if you, you've eaten your fruit and veg, you've drunk your water, that's, okay. yeah, you have to go yeah. in and do that. Um, I think it's interesting over time, um, obviously you, you would need basket data from a um, from mm. a supermarket brand for that. Yes, yes. Um, and I'm aware of some brands in the world that are using that data. For sure. Um, so I think if we had access to it, that would be, be interesting. Mm. Um, I know... Um, I think it's Tesco Lotus in Thailand have partnered with Prudential in okay. that market. I was reading about that recently. Okay. And how that um, they're actually using, you know, are yeah. you eating fruit and veg? Are you buying chocolate crisps? You know, all the things yeah. you shouldn't be doing. Yeah. Um, and, and leveraging that data. So, mm. yeah, it's interesting where it's going. I think it's interesting, though, I, I also worry a little bit about big data in this space because I think um, there's a responsibility um, to provide a service to society. And what you don't want to have is a, an, an underclass of uninsured, right? Because yeah, yeah. If, if you become a um, bad risk um, it, through all that data, mm. um, there's a potential for the premiums to go sky high or for, or for you just not to be able to afford uh, or not be able to buy, be, be excluded from insurance. And I think that's a Okay. That's a danger and that's the responsibility that businesses have to make sure they don't allow yeah, that to happen. Totally. You don't want to be a um, you know, an episode of um, Black Mirror, right? That's always the, uh, yeah. the, 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 the thing you think about when you do these things is how do you make sure that you're, you're responsible yeah. in, in, in approach. So that's, that's something that's been very, very core to mm. our thinking okay. uh, and in partnership with Cigna as well as, you know, of course, that we, yeah. we really want to make sure when we're taking a societal big picture yeah. view with this as well. And hopefully it's a win, 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 win for the customer, win for us and a win for mm. our insurance partner too, if we get it right. Yeah, yeah. And you're absolutely right. Um, so certainly I know Vitality in South Africa, which we've talked about on this show before, has a paid version of what you're doing for free in terms of, again, you know, tracking and measuring, I suppose, educating and incentivizing, you know, healthy behaviors in health insurance. And they definitely do have a supermarket partner because I've seen that as, you know, yeah. a, a benefit. Um, so yeah, definitely it's, it's a very interesting model. And just to your point there, uh, clearly I don't know the, the Hong Kong market very well, but certainly in Ireland, um, my understanding, certainly when I bought health insurance was you couldn't actually dis, um, discount or disincentivize or make, I suppose, uh, the person's, um, 
literally the situation in life. You, you couldn't penalize them price wise. There was a quite a controversial piece of legislation brought in where everyone had to be tr- treated equally. So it may be that um, globally there may be governments kind of stepping in to uh, to monitor that. So, but in the meantime, super interesting to see that you already have that kind of mindset to make sure that you're protecting people. Um, you know, when they do go to get their health insurance. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's true. I, I remember the Human Rights Act in Europe. Um, you know, there was a going back 10, 15 years, I think now that there was a you know, with car insurance, you know, that yeah. sort of stereotypical yeah. young male driver that yeah. um, you know, is a terrible risk because they uh, are going to drive faster and, and more recklessly. Yeah. Um, you know, is that against their human right to penalise them with a yeah. uh, higher premium versus a, wow. a you know a, a sensible female driver, right? And that was yeah. the sort of classic <laughs> sort of stereotype, which cle- totally. clearly isn't always true. But it's um, yeah, it's but it, but actuarially, it actually is um, wow. quite Factually, often true. And so, yes. Yes. as a result, you you um you know, do you do you um up the premiums for those people? Yeah, and I. And I you know, there was, uh, I, I can't remember the details, but I remember that being something that was challenged as a, yeah. against the sort of basic human rights of, of, a, of a segment yeah. of people. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's things like that you have to be aware of. In, in Australia, they have what's called community risk rating. Okay. Um, so, yes. Um, so it means you, again, um, you can't um, charge a higher premium for, yeah. for, for different uh, people with underlying issues. Yeah. And so, um, and, and what that does do from a business perspective, it actually incentivizes companies to target consumers um, mm. who are younger and yeah. fitter. Totally. Right? They're going to stick around for a long time and, mm. and be, be healthy and have, as I say, preventative care, not hospital care. Yeah. Um, so you, you'll, you'll, you won't see insurance companies with pictures of, um, mm. you know, people with underlying health issues and yeah. they're, they're not going to target those people because you're going to have a very uh, unprofitable book. Yeah. <laughs> so it's I guess it's one business. of those. <laughs> yeah. Totally. It's interesting. Very yeah. interesting. No, I love the positioning, Paul. And um, and actually, even to go back a bit to uh, to what you explained about, you know, Cathay being now the brand. Um, and I remember seeing some beautiful marketing about the expansion of the, the brand proposition, but I hadn't actually noticed what you said, the most obvious thing about, you know, removing the word Pacific. Um, and actually, I think it's a quite a genius move because, you know, if you want to connect with people, particularly global, which by definition, an airline wants to do, then I think the simpler, the better. And again, the Pacific is something that to me is, you know, a huge ocean very far away. So so Cathay in its essence has all of that kind of brand love that I associate with travel. And as you said, premium travel. So I would be fascinated over time, actually, and I don't know how long it will take for this to come through, but you know, when Cigna start to look at, you know, people who come through your wellness proposition and how they convert and how they behave versus their traditional non-Cathay or non-Asia Miles members, um, you know, and how, how they become and behave over their life, I think that's going to be a fascinating thing and a huge opportunity for them. Yeah, look, it, it will be. And um, I think, for us, we um, it's it's all about customer lifecycle marketing, right? At the end of the day, loyalty programs are about yeah. how do you 
get people as early as possible and keep them for as long as possible and get yeah. them to spend more money in different ways yeah. over that journey, right? It's, it's yeah. at its core. Yeah. Um, that's, that's what we're doing, right? As loyalty yeah. marketers. Yeah. Um, and so cross sell, upsell, all those good things. Yeah. And so, you know, that's really what this is all about. So how do we um, have more, more ways to engage? Um, and I think, you know, if they're buying a, uh, travel insurance product after they bought a flight, you know, they, they, they maybe now think about us as someone that, okay, I, I trust this brand from with, from, with my insurance needs now. Yeah. So I might buy a wellness product as well. Yeah. And if I'm collecting miles from different sources, that's kind of a bit of the glue as well, because of course. obviously if you're building a balance in multiple ways, you're going to get to your reward a bit quicker. Totally. Um, and then over, over time, you, know, you would start to become a little less price sensitive and mm. a little bit more committed to the yeah. brand, right? Yeah. So that's that's what this is this is about. And obviously during the, the travel downturn, mm. you know, it's not a bad thing to have um another yeah. product um as well. Mm. Um yeah, that wasn't the, the the thinking behind. We actually uh were already kind of on this of this path. Um, okay. like like most projects, these things take some time to yeah. to build the business case and, and, and you know, find the partners and build yeah. and launch. Um, so we were already on the journey before the pandemic okay. started. Okay, I was um, going to ask you that actually, yeah. Yeah, so it yeah. was something that we saw as an opportunity before. Okay. Um, and But when, when the pandemic's over, uh, I think it's, it's going to be another mm. core part of what we do. So yeah. I think we've, we've been really busy actually during the pan- pandemic. We've been focusing so much on, yeah. yeah, the underlying product. How do we make sure that um, yeah. when when the recovery comes, people go, "Wow, you were you were busy <laughs> while we were away." You sure. Know, look, at, look at what you've done. Right? Yeah. So there's a bit of that that's going on as well. Super. Um, yeah, that's lovely. Trying to, trying to figure out how to simplify the business, create wider engagement. Yeah. Um, you would have also seen as a part of the the, the announcement regarding um, uh, the Cafe Master Brand is that we've we've also told people that we're merging our loyalty programs, right? So Asia Miles okay, and yes. Marco Polo Club yeah. are coming together too. So we're now going to have a um, a single program. Wow. Um, and so that's that's another big change too, right? So we're going to have, um, rather than Asia Miles as your mileage earn and burn and Marco Polo Club as your recognition program for, for lounge access, there'll be a single uh, program anchored around cafe. So that's amazing. Um, Marco Polo, I was going to ask you about that because that was a paid subscription program, Paul, wasn't it? Well, you had a one-off joining fee. So, um, okay. there was a joining fee to come into that, which, um, yes, that will, that will go away. Great. And so essentially we want to try and simplify because if you look at what, um, modern retail brands in particular do, Right? Yeah. They, they don't create too many bets. Right? You, you, you want to make it as simple as possible. So yeah. at the moment we had um, you know, a joining fee, as you pointed out, for the recognition yeah. program. And yeah. we also had a separate program for earn and burn for miles. Totally. And so it created a lot of um, confusion for customers. So yeah. bringing the two together, a single program, and we've Wonderful. also massively shortened the enrollment process as well so that you can okay. get up and running really quickly yeah. um, and you can earn earn your status um, from from your very first flight 
Um, whereas before, if you hadn't joined Marco Polo Club, you wouldn't get any status. You had to, wow. you had to pay. Uh, oh my goodness! To, to get started. So by bringing the two together, it's um, yeah, it's going to simplify the what we do yes. tremendously. Yeah. Um, so that's that's quite exciting. So that'll that'll be all coming to market um, in the middle of the year. Um, okay. We've made the announcement that it's changing, but we'll, okay. we'll be bringing that together in the middle of the year. Okay. Um, so again. Some some positive changes that we've been busy on while the uh, pandemic's been, uh, been yeah. running. Yes, absolutely. I'll definitely be watching that, of course, very closely. Um, and just a, a small one, well, two small things I, I loved because obviously when I'm preparing for these interviews, I'm in, you know, ultra investigative mode. Um, and it's always really wonderful to kind of see the detail behind what comes through. Um, and that that Marco Polo one absolutely is is one of those. Um, the other thing I noticed, Paul, and it was actually just on your LinkedIn page. So again, back to the airline and the airline brand, but just within the wonderful description, of course, you know, such an aspirational brand. But the call to action was on WhatsApp, and I think that's extraordinarily innovative. Um, and I think we might have briefly touched on this when we met before, but. I'm super passionate about, you know, connecting with people where they already are, because actually what I don't really want is a lot more apps on my phone. So some of them will justify it. And I have no doubt if I was in Hong Kong, I would have the Cathay app for sure. But not I don't want one for every different, you know, retailer, for example, that I engage with. So uh, was that something you were part of or have you any insight on that part of the decision? Yeah, so yeah, very much part of that um, thinking and and you know steering that initiative. Yeah. The, um, and so what we've essentially done, we've we to to exactly your point, right? Let's let's be where customers want to be. Let's not create friction. Let's yeah. make it as easy for people to interact. Um, okay. And essentially, what we've done. Um, so what WhatsApp sits in the middle of our uh, our customer engagement strategy when okay. when we have customers wanting to contact us. Yeah. But, Right at the first instance, we have a um, a chat bot. Okay. Um, so we yeah. have this product called Vera, um, is her okay. name. <laughs> and so when you interact uh, down different uh, digital channels, yeah. um, we've got a you know an artificial intelligence uh, chat bot. Okay. And that's just helping customers if they uh, are doing a pretty simple query and they just want to try and find the information on the site. Like, What's your rules around baggage when I fly to a destination, or okay. you know, how do I how do I how do I apply for a credit card? Mm. Um, you know, all those sort of types of questions that yeah. might come up. Yeah, and some people like that. Yeah, it's a, mm. it's pretty popular, um, and okay. the artificial artificial intelligence is pretty smart mm. underneath okay. it, so it can quickly get you to where you want to be for okay. those simple queries. Yeah, um, but then often you go from a simple query to to something a bit more complex. Of course, uh, and then so we have. Um, you know, live chat as mm. well. So, so that's a way of interacting um, mm-hmm. directly with our agents um, through the through the website. But mm. then, the, to your point before, you yeah. might well want to interact through the channels that you like to interact with. Yeah, and that that's then when that WhatsApp is very useful. So we have a a yeah. Pacific WhatsApp account. It's okay. very easy. You can just add that to your contacts, obviously, and yeah. and, and interact that way too. Mm. Um, so that's very uh, very helpful. We also, um, you know, there's social servicing as well. So when people interact through social channels, okay. and then of course, often there is a need for an agent, right? And and that that can be yeah. um, a physical f- phone call too. So 
Um, and the idea there is to make sure that it's as smooth as possible so that when, when yeah. you've finished interacting with a digital channel, the, the transition to someone human is, is going to be uh, as frictionless as possible. Okay. Um, and, and try and protect the, the agents to deal with the harder things, right? The right so you, stuff, yeah. Yeah, not not simple stuff that can just be solved very very easily uh, totally. digitally. Yeah, that's the that's the thinking behind our, our sort of global contact strategy. Wonderful, um, and it's it's now rolled out everywhere in all our all our markets. And okay, uh, wow, you know, been been really really well received actually. So uh, mm. had a lot of good good feedback. I'm sure. And it will only get better, I think, as well as artificial intelligence does improve. Um, I haven't met Vera, so um, <laughs> I don't know <laughs> how she compares to Eva, who I've uh, talked to here in Dubai. Um, but yeah, <laughs> there's plenty of them. Tell me, is Vera able to check, for example, my Asia Miles balance at this stage? Is that technically possible? Yeah, all those sorts of things are possible. So cool. Yeah. Log on and uh, have a crack. Yeah, I will. See if you can break it. I will. I will. Definitely. Okay. So that's a good challenge. Yeah. And the other one, actually, I just wanted to pick up on, which again, I just like as a, I suppose, as a solution um, in the MasterCard, I saw that you have, I think it's a, it's a fairly new proposition, but because again, I'm a huge fan of, um, of Hong Kong, first and foremost, and your beautiful hotel there, the Peninsula. And I saw a gorgeous proposition, which is obviously purely experiential about signing up for the MasterCard and, uh, and getting afternoon tea in the Peninsula Hotel. I thought that was gorgeous. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, as you rightly point out, the Peninsula is a um, pretty iconic hotel totally. in Hong yeah. Kong uh, yeah. you know, over in uh, Kowloon. Yeah. Um, and their um, high tea is probably just about as famous as the hotel itself. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, it's a, it's a definitely a tourist um, must do is high tea at the Peninsula. Yeah. Um, and, you know, during the pandemic, obviously with, without the tourists, but there's yeah. a lot of Hong Kong people looking for for fun yeah. things to do, and yeah, um, yeah that's been a um, been a really popular thing. So, um, yeah, so it's it's just a, a, a sign up incentive if you take the cafe uh, standard chartered Mastercard. Yeah, um, uh, as a new customer, you can uh, get get that high tea uh, as a part of uh, wow. the sign up bonus. But it's a it's been really well received actually. Um, yes. And we've done a few others. We did something recently with. Um, yeah. The Swire Hotel uh, called Upper House, uh, mm -hmm. which is a another mm -hmm. you know, super premium hotel in Hong Kong. Okay, uh, high tea there was really successful. Um, so we've been doing some things like that. Just I guess trying to engage with our domestic audience mm -hmm. a bit more uh, through the pandemic. Yeah, mm. yeah, wonderful. So I guess I didn't have any other questions uh, for you now, Paul. Um, I'd love to know if there is anything. I mean, obviously, you've mentioned a huge amount in terms of already the Marco Polo changes this summer. Any other innovations that, you know, you can even give us any hints on or um, future things we can look forward to? Yeah, look, I think there's there's lots of stuff. Um, we At the start of the call, we talked about um, the, the Commonwealth Bank and the children's program. Yeah. Um, for me, I'm thinking about that going back to that customer lifecycle marketing. How do how do I make sure I'm relevant at all different stages? Oh, wow. And one of the interesting areas is is I think what I what I call emerging high net worth. And okay. emerging high net worth is yes. really people yeah. who are at university now mm. and they're probably not um 
economically interesting, going back to that comment <laughs> from before. Yeah. <laughs> um, but but they're going to become economically interesting in the future and they'll, they'll become flyers and they'll become yeah. spenders. Yeah. Yes. So how do we engage a bit sooner in that, that end? Okay. But also the other thing is um, the other end of the spectrum, and you mentioned your birthday yes. um, before. Um, <laughs> now I'm not calling you a senior. Um, that, <laughs> Don't you dare. But, <laughs> I wouldn't dare. But did you know that one in five Asians um, – owns a VR headset, digital seniors owns a, oh a, owns a uh, VR headset. So this incredible stat. Yes. I just read it recently and it just blew my mind. Uh, totally. And this is gen, genuine seniors. We're talking yes. about yeah, yeah. the silver plus. surfers and yeah. Exactly. Wow. And so this this segment is still, you know, it, the baby boomers have so much money, so much wealth that's been well documented. Yeah. But I think brands need to think about how do they keep engaging with that group because in the past, yeah. As soon as you stop working, um, you know, things like credit cards become yeah. hard. Yeah. Um, but actually, this this segment of, of consumers is still uh, a massively important economic powerhouse. So, yeah. For me, it's about you know both ends of the spectrum. How do I engage with those um, digital seniors, but yeah. also how do I engage with the um, emerging mm-hmm. high net worth? So that, that's that's the kind of stuff that I'm I'm thinking about at the moment. How do we how do we uh, keep being relevant to those different groups? Wow. Well, I'm going to put a note in the diary, Paul, to make sure we check in again in another 12 to 14 months because <laughs> I feel like we're going to have a whole other new wonderful conversation. So listen, that's all the questions from my side. Is there anything else you wanted to mention, Paul, before we wrap up? No, look, that's been great, Paula. So great, great to see you and chat to you again. And uh, yeah, well done with the uh, the podcast. Love listening to it. Wonderful. Well, listen, thank you so much. It's always a pleasure. So Paul Smitten, Director of Customer Lifestyle at Cathay Pacific Airways. Thank you so much from Let's Talk Loyalty. This show is sponsored by The Wise Marketeer, the world's most popular source of loyalty marketing news, insights and research. The Wise Marketeer also offers loyalty marketing training through its Loyalty Academy which has already certified over 245 executives in 27 countries as certified loyalty marketing professionals. For more information, check out thewisemarketeer.com and loyaltyacademy.org. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Let's Talk Loyalty. If you'd like us to send you the latest shows each week, simply sign up for the Let's Talk Loyalty newsletter on letstalkloyalty.com and we'll send our best episodes straight to your inbox. And don't forget that you can follow Let's Talk Loyalty on any of your favorite podcast platforms. And of course, we'd love for you to share your feedback and reviews. Thanks again for supporting the show.